It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them all? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. This is your Estate Planning Essentials podcast and radio program. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the honored owner of KWM Radio and the co-host of this program, honestly committed to seeking protection for your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with my friend, my co-host, my attorney who should be your attorney, I say that every show, our Dallas Estate Planning expert, Michael T. Cohen. Hello, Michael. Well, my middle initial is actually B, so I'm curious as to what the T is, because I am not Mr. T. I haven't haven't used a a fictitious middle initial in a long time, Uh, but there's the word, time, as in timely, Michael T. Cohen. And you provide us with very timely information, like you did last week, about people moving to Texas and how important it is for them to have their attorneys review their state plans. And so I'm going to call you Michael T. or Mr. T. Can I do that from now on? You can, but my name is Michael B. Cohen, as in beautiful. Really? Okay. (laughs) I can't call you beautiful, though. I don't know. I, I see some... Parents name their children beautiful sometimes. This is my daughter, beautiful. I say, wow, okay, beautiful it is. But all kidding aside, we do want to talk about something very important and very serious and can be beautiful, sometimes isn't. And that is the issue of reverse mortgages and using them for long-term health care. Now, if you would, Michael, please just give us the reverse mortgage 101 education definition and then roll into long-term care for us. This is, you know, usually the biggest asset that most people have mm-hmm. is their home. Right. And it may be that that's the, maybe even virtually the only asset that they have. But, and most people want to stay at home as long as possible. That's for sure. And so, uh, but sometimes they, they need care. And But anyway, getting back to what is a reverse mortgage, mm-hmm. if you're over 62, you could borrow against the equity in your home. Um, so, you know, a lot of times people need money for various reasons. Uh, they may need it to supplement their retirement income to cover living expenses. They may need to – they may want to delay their Social Security until, let's say, they're 70 uh, years old so that the Social Security will be greater and they could borrow against the equity of their home. Uh, it could be that they don't want to take out of a retirement account uh, because if they did, uh, they get income taxed, whereas uh, you, it, with a loan, you don't get income taxed on a loan. Uh, or if if you had some investments and you sold them, you'd have a capital gains tax. So let's say they just didn't want to incur a capital gains tax, uh, so they could have this 
income. There's different ways to have reverse mortgages. You could have a lump sum. You could have uh, a line of credit. Uh, so there's different ways that you could do it. So you could do it in a way where you, let's say, have this line of credit and get income that you need to cover your living expenses or whatever. Yep. Uh, or sometimes people want to equalize their estate. So, all right, we're going to borrow this lump sum and um, – uh, and you're going to get the house, child A, and you're going to get these other assets, child B. Uh, it's hard to equalize, but they could utilize that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe uh, they were having mortgage payments, and they said, oh, gee, my income, people are living on a fixed income often when you're older, Social Security or pension, uh, and you're, gonna, you're risking foreclosure. All right, so with a reverse mortgage, uh, you don't make mortgage payments. The way it works is you borrow, and you do not have to make mortgage payments anymore, but the equity keeps shrinking mm-hmm. until uh, – so your heirs will get less money, but your, it was your asset that you needed to live off of, and so you're tapping into the equity. Uh, and so that's the idea of the reverse mortgage right. uh, and why a lot of people don't do that. And you still have to pay the taxes, though, too, I think I understand. Yeah, yeah. There's two elements – there's two uh, ways to have – or three ways, actually, where you could default – on a reverse mortgage. Oh. Uh, one, of course, is you die. Right, okay. <laughs> uh, if you die, uh, obviously, uh, the it, it, that's, a, uh, you, you know, you're not living there anymore. Right. So um, the second one is uh, if you um, vacate, you abandon the property. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Now, uh, so they usually send like this letter that only you're supposed to sign every year to make sure you're still there. Uh, the third thing is to pay, like you say, the taxes and insurance. Those are the three elements of default. So whereas, you know, unlike a typical mortgage loan uh, in Texas, you don't pay the – well, taxes and insurance are a typical one. But if you don't pay the mortgage, obviously, you don't pay your principal and interest, mm-hmm. they could foreclose. Mm-hmm. A reverse mortgage, uh, well, there is no principal and interest payments. Uh, so – uh, you know, so that you're just living off the equity for whatever the reason, whether it's that um, supplementing retirement income, delaying Social Security, preserving uh, your, your investments. You don't have to pay the capital gains tax. We mentioned the equalization of an estate mm-hmm. to avoid foreclosure, to use the proceeds to invest better if you think you can invest better, to pay for care at home if you need that care at home mm-hmm. and you need money and you don't have enough other assets. Great. So there are lots of different reasons why some people do it. Now, I'm not trying to advocate one way or another. Mm-hmm. Just like on estate planning for anything, you have to look at all the facts. Yes. And uh, so uh, anyway, so we look at the facts. And But some, you know, a lot of times people, you know, in my world as, uh, as an elder law attorney, people want to stay at home. Mm-hmm. And if you do, uh, you know, how are you going to pay for it? Now, some people want to pay for it through the use of Medicaid. Mm-hmm. So Medicaid has a couple different programs. Uh, one is um, it's called Star Plus Medicaid, where they act, the state actually uh, pays for somebody to uh, come to the home. Now, unfortunately, 
they don't pay very much. The state, I didn't go into other things about Medicaid, what happened in the last state legislative session. You know, we had a show a couple weeks ago on uh, the laws that had passed. Um, but so one of the problems with this is the actual wages that the state pays. Mm-hmm. And we anticipate things worse, and I'll tell you this, and so now this is going to be based upon what's going on with our federal government as well. Um, the it, So there's a program where the state pays somebody to come to the home. The problem is how much they pay these people. Really? It was it, until the last legislative session, it was a little over $8 an hour. Oh, goodness gracious. But they, in their generosity, were going up to a little over $10 an hour. I don't know how you justify that when... Now they just passed a law in California where working at Burger King, the minimum wage is twenty dollars right, an hour. Right. Twenty dollars. Right. I don't understand. Right, right. So so unfortunately you can't keep workers if they can make more at Burger King than if you were taking care of somebody Couldn't at home. Agree and more. so and then you went to make matters worse. Uh well, I guess it depends on what you want to, the way you look at it. You know that with the uh uh Sometimes there's government shutdowns, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, as we know, it's been in the news recently, and whether they're going to cut. They're cutting Medicaid is one of the things that are cutting. Oh, really? Wow. So when you, when you look at the budget, and so things get worse, and so that means uh, on the, from the Medicaid standpoint, there'll either be less workers or uh, et cetera, and mm-hmm. they're not paid very much, and it may not uh, be as beneficial for some people as we like. Mm-hmm. So let's say you had some real problems, but you wanted to stay at home. You have the option sometimes on Medicaid, but sometimes it's not the best option. Mm-hmm. By the way, you, on that program, though, this, even a child could take care of a parent and be paid by the state right. under certain circumstances So, because there's like these ma- Medicaid-managed care agencies. So a lot of people do want to stay at home, and they may get their child, even though they might be paid not very much, mm-hmm. uh, they might uh, to take care of them at home. So if you had this a reverse mortgage, um, well, it depends on the way you do it. Because uh, if, if it's a, a loan is uh, not considered uh, income, and, but it becomes a resource on the first day of the next month. So uh, you might use that to your advantage. Uh, or even if you had taken a lump sum, let's say you took a lump sum, what would happen if you were trying to get eligible for Medicaid? Now, remember, the home doesn't count as a resource. So if you'd taken a lump sum and you had this mortgage, well, all you have to do is pay off the mortgage. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, and then you have to also think about Medicaid estate recovery. You know, we talked uh, a couple weeks ago uh, on – uh, show on the show, I think it was uh, about uh, when you move from another state to Texas, mm-hmm. uh, and we talked about ladybird deeds. Sure. Well, to protect the home from e- even if you had a mortgage, the property could be taken subject to the mortgage uh, by having a deed where it says it goes to child or to a trust uh, to protect from. Let's say that with the state had paid for somebody to come to the home or paid for drugs, uh, things like that, uh, then the state's going to ask for reimbursement. So even if you had a reverse mortgage and you had the state pay uh, somebody to come to your home, pay for drugs, uh, or maybe paying your child, 
they're going to, after you die, go after that home to the extent that they had benefits. So that's why we talked about uh, on a uh, recent show about having an enhanced life estate deed, a deed where it says it goes to child or children or to a trust to protect that home from reimbursement to the state. Mm -hmm. Uh, So even with a reverse mortgage, you can do that. Uh, So um, you might utilize that. Uh, This also avoids probate. Uh, So it's possible that, you know, um, oh, let's say you had, um, oh, I don't know. Let's say there could be all sorts of legal issues uh, because there could be uh, children of different marriages, things like that, and you have some issues there. Uh, gets into uh, some other rights. There's, you know, there's marital rights uh, in Texas. There's all sorts of different things that have to be discussed. I don't know that we'll get into it in this show because it gets a little bit complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, but then you say if it, if it does go to uh, kids. Uh, or a trust, how can – let's say that one kid wants the property. One kid wants the property. How are they going to pay for it? Well, one of the other things that doesn't count as an asset, if they didn't have – what if they didn't have the funds? Right. Let's say they didn't have the funds. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe they could get – there could be planning, uh, and they wanted to buy – maybe the, there's an IRA that's large enough uh, but from the Medicaid recipient. Um, so for Medicaid, a uh, an IRA uh, that has required minimum distributions, so that depends on your age. What are required minimum distributions? A traditional IRA does not count for Medicaid, long-term care Medicaid, not all Medicaid programs, uh, there's, I should mention, there's 109 Medicaid programs, each with their own rules, and that's not including things like SSI, Supplemental Security Income. So it's kind of, you know, so I, this is only, we're only talking today about this one area of long-term care Medicaid, even though it's care at home. So I don't want you to, uh, anybody to uh, misconstrue and think, oh, if I'm on SSI, this will be, this IRA won't count for me. Because right. for an IRA for supplemental security income, what is supplemental security income? For those who don't know, if you are disabled, maybe a lot of times people just got disabled uh, young in life. And they have no assets, right. and they can't work. Then they could, get, and if if they have very limited income, then they could get on supplemental security income. Uh, if you're single, that income is going to be probably less than nine hundred fourteen dollars a month, or le- nine fourteen or more or, or less. Uh, and you have to have less than two thousand dollars of countable resources. Now, if you have a home, it doesn't count. But I'm just not sure how you pay that taxes or insurance. Although there are what's called able accounts, uh, achieving a better life experience. It gets kind of complicated, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, you could give se- if you're uh, you could get up to seventeen thousand dollars the annual exclusion into an able account, uh, where it won't count for SSI supplemental security income, but. Kind of like on long-term care Medicaid on that account, which cannot grow to be more than a hundred thousand uh, dollars, 
there is Medicaid estate recovery on those ABLE accounts. So you use it for your benefit, but it doesn't count as an asset. Well, sorry to get to di- divert, but you see all these things kind of go together, mm-hmm. uh, and the state has a right to make a claim. So a lot of times one kid wants to buy the home or live in the home or, or somehow purchase the home. Uh, and so if you did happen to have an IRA and they're a beneficiary of it, then they could use the proceeds from that IRA to perhaps pay uh, for the home. Now, if you do have the IRA, I should mention for long-term care, Medicaid, it's income in the month of receipt. And I should also mention it's only for traditional IRAs. And what happens if you have a Roth IRA? Well, under our rules, if you buy any type of annuity within the Roth IRA, it doesn't count. Uh, if you're under the age for your required minimum distribution date, which varies, uh, if you are um, uh, already uh, 70 and a half before January 1st, 2020, then you had to start making required minimum distributions. If you were not, and you were in that age where um, until the beginning of 2023, January 1st, 2023, it would be 72. And if you're not uh, 70, were not 72 or, or 73 until this year, then it's now uh, you have to be when you're 73 that you take out required minimum distributions. And in about 10 years, if you're not 75, then that's when you'll have to take out required minimum distributions. As we see, uh, people are living longer. Uh, and so we'll, you know, we were talking about, I think one time he said, oh, gee, what's going to happen with the federal de- deficit? Well, will they increase the age for Medicare, uh, 65? Okay. Remember, when we did Social Security, uh, just think about this. I'm sorry to divert again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, when when the Social Security system was first uh, devised, I guess you'd say, the average life expectancy was probably 70. And if you say somebody right. died at 70 today, that would be probably considered young. Yeah. And so we've increased that to now that you don't have to take Social Security until age 70. Mm-hmm. Will that increase again in the future? Possibly. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, uh, we just talked about now required MIM distributions mm-hmm. uh, to defer things. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. And will Medicare? I don't know. I, I'm just talking. There's there's probably politicians talking about this. I'm not into politics. Sure. But it is something that we have to always look at in your planning. Well, anyway, getting back to uh, an IRA doesn't count as an asset for a traditional IRA. Now, let's say you had a 401k or some other type of retirement account. What you generally do for Medicaid, so that the asset doesn't count as a resource, is you convert it uh, from a whatever it is, 401k, uh, to a traditional IRA. Now, let's say you're under uh, 70 and a half or 73, whatever you're depending on what your age is, um, would that count? Uh, Well, if you buy a deferred annuity uh, within that retirement account, then it will not count for Medicaid. We did a show a couple years ago about the spinless spin-down on how we could get eligibility by not spending your money, but just changing the nature of how it is invested. Uh, as you may know, uh, uh, if you, you you could start taking out of a retirement account uh, at actually at age 59 and a half without a excise tax. Mm-hmm. If you're under uh, 59 and a half and you take out of an IRA, uh, you get a, like a 10% penalty. And if you didn't take right. out at your age uh, that you're supposed to, 70 and a half, uh, 72, 73. Mm-hmm. It used to be, until January 1st, it used to be a 50% pen- excise okay. tax. Now it's gone down to 25%. Okay. 
Well, of anyway, money. sorry, sorry to kind of so now you have to start. So that, you know, in the planners' world, you have to think about all these mm-hmm. tax issues in addition to. Uh, now we're talking about bar- tapping into the equity, and now we're talking about Medicaid, and so a lot of these things kind of you have to see what the problems are. So everybody's different, mm-hmm. and you have to kind of kind of figure it out. Well, anyway, so sometimes people, if there's kids that want to buy a property, mm-hmm. and if they can make them the beneficiaries, so we know that this kid wants to buy the property or have it. Uh, we could have them as the beneficiary of an IRA. Sometimes it could be insurance, but you got to look at um, the uh, life insurance. Of course, if it's an older person, the older you are, the more expensive. Will they pass underwriting? Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, uh, I was talking to uh, my daughter just this morning uh, about uh, somebody I knew, and they uh, they were younger. Um, I say younger. Uh, the wife is uh, in their uh, 60s, but has dementia, uh, and the husband has leukemia. And um, uh, we were thinking about, um, uh, they were talking about looking into a product uh, that you don't have to pass underwriting. But I don't know. I said, you, I said I haven't seen this product, but uh, it, it, it reminds me of buying uh, fire insurance or, uh, or home insurance when your house is on fire. Yeah. It's pretty rare to get that. And if you can, uh, you want makes you wonder uh, wh- how much coverage would it be and how expensive is it. Right. So usually when it sounds too good to be true, it often is not mm-hmm. It's too good to be true, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So, you know, you wonder about it, but you know, insurance companies come up with creative things. So, I'm not saying it can't happen, uh, but similarly with life insurance, uh, you know, if you're the insurer, uh, if somebody has this some form of bad cancer, are you going to sell them the insurance to pay a big amount when that person dies? Right. Um, or if, like I said, the house is on fire, are you going to? go ahead and sell them that insurance. Well, probably not. And so, uh, but they're coming up with new things and different types of products, and Mm -hmm. we'll see what they do. But Mm -hmm. you got to remember, the insurance company is not there to pay you. Uh, They're in there to be in a business. So let's look before we leap. Right. Let me Uh, stop you there. Uh, You brought to mind five or ten ideas and topics that I won't bring all of them up. But first of all, understand that as Michael foams at the mouth, talking about this because he loves it i mean he's really good at it he's very smart and as we sat here the last 15 20 minutes of the program so far he's read nothing he just knows this information this is the kind of attorney you want who knows it already and you heard what he said how he disseminated all this information ages and what you have to do with iras and 401ks and and if you're 70 years old this is all from his head because he knows this so well This is another reason why you should attend his next workshop, which is Thursday, November the 2nd at 10 o'clock. Workshops are very informative, very educational, and very worthwhile. You will not regret attending that because it's in person. So you get to see Michael in action like I do every week doing this program, and you will not regret it. Michael, tell them more about the workshops and what goes on. Well, we ask people what they want to know. Mm-hmm. And so you just, uh, whatever it is that you want to know, you mm-hmm. ask. It's Of course, it's going to be about estate planning sure. or Medicaid. We've talked about you, you're, you're, a, you're a planner. You're not a financial planner. You play one on the radio, but you're not truly a financial planner. But you know a lot about it. And the two are kind of integrated, financial and estate planning. Yeah, no, I know. It's kind of, kind of strange. I'm like, I think it was Texas Monthly. They said well, I was one of the top financial planners, oh, but funny. I don't do financial planning. Right, exactly. Yeah, so, don't you need series six testing? I, 
I, yeah, I'm not a financial license, planner. Right, exactly. so, so in any event, no, uh, it's really about estate planning or Medicaid planning or veterans benefits planning. Okay. All these different types of things have to be known about uh, when you give a plan and our company. So the, it's like tools in the toolbox. You just have to know right. uh, whatever it is uh, so what the, so the client knows what their options are, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that make the decisions as what's best for them. Good. But they just have to know what's on that in that cafeteria line, mm-hmm. uh, what, what tastes best to them. Good. Uh, so uh, we ask people what they want to know, and we try to answer the questions that they ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's two hours. It's free. Uh, and if you do go to the free estate planning essentials workshop, we actually give one more bonus. It's a vision meeting. Free. For, it's also free. No obligation. You don't have to do anything. It's private. You don't even, it's private. Right. Yeah. The the workshop is, you know, there's going to be a bunch of other people. First come, first serve. But it's only a matter of about 25 or 30 people. Right, right. We okay. keep it limited. Okay. Uh, we have limited by space. And mm-hmm. so, like I said last time, we had to cut it off uh, because the uh, too much demand. And it's at your conference center at your office? Offices? Yeah, okay. uh-huh. So we had at the, at the conference center, and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, we asked people what they want to know, and right. we've been doing them for since the end of 2011. Great. So it's because it's been – a lot of people want to know. You've got a good formula there that really works and is very fair to people. To let them kick the tires, ask questions for free, attend the vision meeting for free. It's very fair. Yeah, yeah. So it's whatever, you, and you get to you just get for three free hours right. legal education without obligation. It's just, it's just, and and I think you're going to have fun along the way. And you've been we, doing this thirty years now plus. 30, oh, you've been talking practicing law. Yeah. Now you, yeah. I, I tell people I'm an elder, elder law attorney. Yes, you are elder. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much I'll for telling me that. You're welcome. But it's worth it because he understands this and he's not in this retirement mode none of us are uh, is excuse me none of us is not are and michael's not either he wants to stay on top of this to help as many people as possible yeah you know it's interesting because a lot of times when you're the benefit about the experience like la- uh, this last week uh we had I said why was this deed done from brother to s- sister right. and it was i said oh i get it uh because the law in 1992 uh when when dad died uh was different than it is today mm-hmm. the law changed in 1993. I see that Dad died in December. Now I understand why this, why we are doing this. By the way, that was a, a KAAM listener who's been listening to us for over 10 years, right. and who was afraid to go to the workshop, but that now she's so glad that she did. And uh, and Lovely. so uh, I'm I'm glad that we could kind of figure it out. But a lot of times things are just based on experience. If you know, if you know where it's been, and you say, oh yeah, that happened. That was the law 30 years ago. Right. And so uh, armed with that, we could figure out what happened. And and we're all notorious for, I'll get to that soon, I'll get to that later, I'm too young. It's all improper, incorrect, dangerous thinking. Attend his workshop so you can at least become current and ask a question for free. Attend the vision meeting after that. you got to go to the workshop to get the free vision meeting. That's kind of how it works. That's the horse before the cart. And But just make sure you go to the workshop, then the vision meeting, then you get Michael to really concentrate on your individual circumstances, and it's all free. Sign up for that workshop. Dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102 for that Thursday, November the 2nd at 10 a.m. Estate Planning Essentials Workshop. Or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael, one minute left. Okay, well, even if you – one other thing is if you do think you're going to be on Medicaid – 
uh, and you do have, whether you do the reverse mortgage or not, you should either do a ladybird deed or an enhanced life estate deed that we've been talking about. Yeah, and even if, the, if, if you don't want to do that now, your power of attorney, your financial power of attorney should have provisions. This is another thing, like when people move from another state. Even if you, you're here and you think your power of attorney does everything, which everybody seems to think it does, you need to have a couple different things. The ability to create a labor dirt or do broad gift giving and have a, perhaps even self-dealing. So a title company would be able to ensure because he'd have to go by the powers in the power of attorney. And who thinks and, about that? Nobody. Yeah. So you have to have that language in the power mm-hmm. of attorney, and it has to be extra under our uh, laws in Texas. It's a considered a hot. These are considered hot powers. Or the ability to create a trust. So if we need to do a labor deed and a trust, so we look for that when we look at powers of attorney. That is going to be uh, uh, very important. Also, uh, if you're going to consider you, Medicaid or not. And you can listen to this program by going to DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael's got all the programs there for you to download and listen to because he had to go pretty quickly on, on a very complicated, in-depth topic that you should know more about. So listen again or attend his next workshop on Thursday, November the 2nd at 10 a.m. Michael Cohen, I thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Don. Leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-720. 0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770 KAAM since 2013, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it's done your way and sign up for his next workshop today.